It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. All right, welcome to another edition of the IDP Corner, sponsored by FantasyPoints.com. My name is Justin Varnes. You can follow me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. I'm one of the IDP analysts over at FantasyPoints.com, and I am joined, as always, uh, with my partner in crime for the IDP side of things, Mr. Thomas Simons. Thomas, how's it going tonight? It's going great, Down With IDP. <laughs> uh, so, hey, listen, I... Um, uh, I just got back uh, from a game. I'm a musician when I'm not um, scrolling through IDP tackles and whatnot. Uh, I just got home from a gig, so I literally saw nothing of the game. Um, but, you know, we always do this uh, Thursday night football kind of wrap up. So um, what did you see? I'm going to kind of let you, you run with this. Well, you know, first of all, one of the things I was looking for on the the Houston side was I was looking to see how Zach Cunningham was going to do. Now, for some of you out there, uh, Cunningham was benched in the first quarter in on opening day due to di- uh, disciplinary reasons. So he didn't play in the first quarter, and then he played kind of poorly in the, the rest of the game. He saw the field plenty here in week two, and he did lead the team with uh, 14 total tackles. He had six solos and eight assists. But curious note, Christian Kirksey was the one who wore the green dot. So when the snap count comes out, we're going to find that Kirksey's probably taken more snaps in this game than Cunningham. Although Kirksey did have a stupid penalty um, on a late hit as Sam Darnold, quarterback for Carolina, was going down. He hit him helmet to helmet, which is really dumb. And the, the rookie coach, you could tell his reaction was not very pleased about it. Now on the Carolina side, um, Jermaine Carter did play in the middle and saw plenty of snaps, but he still only had four total tackles, two solos and two assists. And Shaq Thompson had more uh, production and he had six total tackles with five of them being solos. So again, we we're really backing off on Jermaine Carter until we start seeing some production. Now the big news here is that rookie cornerback JC Horn was carted off the field with a non-contact injury. Um, he was dropping back in coverage, and he turned, and when he turned, he went down. He kind of buckled, um, and he went right to his ankle, which is an indication that it, it's most likely an Achilles. If it was a twisted ankle, then he, would have, he wouldn't have really have grabbed it like that. I'm guessing that it's an Achilles, and we'll find out more later in the week. But it looks like Horn could be off the, the the field for quite a while. The one thing that did surprise me was that A.J. Bowie, uh, cornerback for Carolina, was uh, taken off the suspension list this week, but was inactive. So I'm wondering if that was just a healthy inactive and he didn't get enough time on the practice field. Well, I'm sure they'll definitely use him now that uh, Horn is going to yeah. miss, miss some time. Um, man, there's all sorts of uh, players going down, which which we're going to talk about toward oh. the end of this podcast for, for now. Uh, let's move along to our news and notes. Um, uh, man, we've loved that first week of Chandler Jones. What happened in week two? He returned to earth, just like we <laughs> thought he would do. He had no tackles, but he did have three quarterback hits, so he was in the backfield and was close. But as we had said, you're more apt to get a one or two solo with a sack 
uh, performance out of him, then you are going to get that like that opening day of six solos and and five sacks. Now, Jordan Hicks took 97 percent of the snaps and Zaven Collins, the rookie, took only 41 percent. So that saga continues to lean in heavily in favor of Hicks and we're beginning to think that if Collins doesn't start seeing an increase in snaps, well, maybe it's time to back away from him completely. Yeah, we're we're a couple. Obviously, we, we're, go ahead. Sorry, I say, yeah, we're a couple of weeks into this. I mean, we you certainly can't start Collins. It's just a matter of, um, you know, what happened to, uh, you know, it, it's clearly not just like a, you know, we were wondering if it was a one week thing, a game plan thing, but um, right. it clearly it clearly is not. Uh, now they played a, they played lights out in the opening week. Uh, they did not play lights out last week, so uh, that's that's a. Uh, an interesting thing if they decide to stick with Hicks because they did not play as well last week, but either way, yeah, you got to just kind of leave him on, on your bench. Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't get rid of him. I would just keep Collins on your bench, especially in dynasty league. Don't, don't unload him because he will be working next to Isaiah Simmons in, in the future. But for now, definitely right. If you've, you know, if you can write him on your bench. Uh, speaking of linebackers, um, and you know, thanks for updating us on Zach Cunningham. He's one of a handful of linebackers that we're that we're all kind of watching very carefully to see, you know, what happened in the first couple of weeks. How does that translate into something more long term for the season? Uh, another one that I've been uh, paying real close attention to, I did some uh, deep digging on this week, was Denver Broncos Alexander Johnson. I posted a whole thread on Twitter about this, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of talk about it here. So Johnson has, you know, really underperformed in terms, or I should say underproduced, not underperformed, but he's underproduced. He just has not played. Um, he's not produced like we were hoping he would. He had two tackles one game and then four tackles the next. But uh, I've seen some things that I'm very encouraged by, and, and I've seen a few things that I am not as encouraged by. Let's first talk about his on-field play. Um, he, I, I've watched his games. I've watched the snaps. He looks good. I mean, he's not, he doesn't look perfect, but, but I don't see anything major. I don't see him moving slowly. I don't see him slow to react to the ball or looking lost, you know, on a regular basis. Um, he has yet to miss a tackle. Uh, he's, he's held up well in coverage. They've, they've thrown at him seven times. He's, he's given up only three receptions. None of them for any long gaze hasn't given up a, a touchdown. PFF gives him solid grades across the board, solid like meaning in the 70s. So he's, he's above average across the board as a defender, both in tackling um, and uh, run defense and um, pass defense. So I don't see anything, any reason why he's, why they're, why he's uh, uh, heading downward. Now the, the snap count has me a little worried. He played about 85% of the snaps in the first week, but the second week, he played 95. I think he took like, I think five snaps off 95%. So, you know, we'd like that to be a hundred percent, but I mean, if you're in the nineties, then that's okay. You know, that you, of course you can take a, a few snaps off. That's not going to really make a huge difference. So um, now that Josie Jewell is out, uh, we're going to get into some more stuff of what they're going to do about that later. But my guess is Johnson will remain a an almost every down player, but he might actually be an, an every down player. Um, other things that 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 uh, I really like about him going forward is he actually has played, or Denver as a whole has played very few snaps. They they are that they 
they, as a team, they've barely been on the field just because they've had a couple of really, really bad uh, uh, offenses that they've been playing against. And uh, the Giants threw the ball a ton the first in, in the first game. So uh, as a team, the Denver Broncos uh, defense has recorded 91 tackles, which is about 20 to 30 tackles lower than the average. Let's compare that to Seattle. Seattle has recorded over the two games 164 tackles, which means that they've almost recorded twice as many tackles as the Denver Broncos, which means that part of Johnson's lowered production is due to the fact that that there's just not a whole lot going going on around him. There's nobody getting 10 or 12 tackles on his team. Every, you know, Max, I think, is eight tackles. So he's not too far behind. The other issue that I am a little concerned about, though, however, is that Jewel and Justin Stranod have either matched his production or bested his production. That does worry me. So to me, if I put all that together, what I get is uh, I think Johnson is not going to be uh, a high-end LB2 like he was capable of. Now I've got him more as a back-end LB2, possibly LB3, but even that's got a question mark because we need to see what happens uh, with what they decide to do with Jewel. What have you seen from Johnson or that whole Broncos crew there, Thomas? Well, one of the things that stood out to me in both those first two games, as you mentioned, were the Giants um, threw the ball almost twice as many times as they ran it. They threw it 37 times and they ran it 20. And then this past week with with um, when they faced Jacksonville, it was the same thing. They threw 33 times and they only ran it 15 times. So I, you're looking at obviously um, information or, or rather statistics that are, are forcing um, Denver to have lower tackle numbers. And again, I, I correct myself on the Jacksonville. They ran it 16 times, not 15. But it, oh, it was 30, you know, <laughs> both times we're looking at twice as many passes. And, you know, the Giants throw 60% of the time and Jaguars throw 72% of the time. So that's going to definitely have an effect on any of those um, Denver Bronco linebackers, in, in particular Johnson. Now, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll move on to uh, another linebacker that I've been kind of hemming and hawing on because he just hasn't lived up to expectations and he, he got traded from one team to another or moved from one team to another. And then he ended up going from the Chargers to the, the Panthers and now the Panthers to the Raiders is Denzel Perryman. He turned around and he led the team with total tackles this week with 12 of them, six solos and six assists. And that's two straight weeks he's he's performed really well. And he took 75% of the snaps among all the Raider linebackers, which was the most among those linebackers. So Perryman is looking like he – granted, this could be something that, that we do have concerns uh, of him – possibly losing snaps in the future, uh, which I'll, I'll let you touch on if you want to here. But overall, right now, he's performing. Yeah, I mean, there's, we always worry about these uh, teams that have four or five uh, linebackers and they're kind of mixing them all up and it's a little hard to tell. You know, we're hoping to get one good guy out of that, which is usually all we can hope for. 
Um, but often it just remains a mess. So I like the fact that he's playing 75% of the snaps. I mean, he's obviously producing, uh, and we were expecting him to produce on the Panthers before the Panthers decided to um, jettison him to move uh, Jermaine Carter up so Jermaine Carter could play three snaps a game or whatever the hell he's playing. <laughs> uh, interesting move, but nonetheless, I mean, Perriman clearly is, is doing well there. Um, I would I would definitely be rostering him. Uh, and I, I'm okay using him as a, you know, as as a as a LB three or LB four, where he can blow up and give you 12 tackles from time to time. But what's really going to happen here when Nick Kwiatkowski is is healthy and KJ Wright really gets up on his feet? I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm worried it's a mess. And Nicholas Morrow is is he's on the designated to return IR, which means after this coming week's games, he he is eligible to come back off of IR. So. You're right. In in week four, this could be uh, with Kutkowski, um still dealing with um, repercussions from a, a concussion. He's been limited in practice this week, but might play. By week four, you're going to have a very crowded uh, situation here at, at linebacker. Um, speaking of linebackers and uh, p- potentially crowded or not crowded situations, uh, a word came out yesterday and we got more confirmation of it today that the Detroit Lions are actively shopping outside linebacker Jamie Collins. Uh, the Lions are clearly in rebuild or retool or re, you know, tank. Let's just call it they're in tank mode, right? They're, so it makes all the sense in the world. I think I'd mentioned this last week. I don't know if I mentioned it on my podcast or on this podcast or if I mentioned it in my article, but there are only three Detroit Lions who are playing uh, a good defensive football there, and Jamie Collins is clearly one of them. Um, so they they are trying to trade away Collins, get some draft picks, which 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 I I think makes a lot of sense. So you know where does Collins go? We don't know, but what it does mean is uh, today. You know, here's one thing I really like about their their coach Dan Campbell, and I I saw this a little bit when he was with. Uh, when he got to be a head coach for the the Miami Dolphins for a minute, he is he shoots straight. He's not one of these guys who beats around the bush or does coach speak. He he is very direct, very straight. He told Jamie Collins that you know we are going to trade you. You know, explained it all to him. He said Collins handled it well, and he basically said we are going to hand over these this you know the linebacker situation uh, to Derek Barnes and uh, um, uh, Jalen uh, Maven Reeves. They've decided like it's time to just give these younger kids a chance to play. So right, if throw you them in the fire. Yeah. So if Barnes, particularly Barnes, if Barnes is out there on your waiver wire, grab him now. He is a stash. He's not somebody that, you know, we don't know how quickly does he play this week? Does he play every snap this week? Do they still play Collins for one more week? It's hard to tell, but definitely stash Derek Barnes. I think he's going to be sitting in the middle of a very busy uh, defense. This is going to stay on the field for a long time this year. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at Barnes uh, last Sunday night. I mean, he played against green Bay and, and, you know, with, um, Collins not seeing any playing time and Barnes doing most of his playing time on, or all of his playing time on special teams. I think he had like 10 snaps on special teams. Uh, and it was Reeves Maben who, who did step in a little bit at linebacker along with, but it was Romeo Okora who, who handled a lot of the, the snaps at outside linebacker. But again, like you said, this is something that's ongoing and evolving. Now Collins could be targeting, 
you know, they could be looking at trading to him to teams like Denver, who just lost. Uh, not only did they lose Josie Jewell, which I'll talk about later, they also lost Bradley Chubb. So there's an outside linebacker position they could use there. There's also Cleveland, who's who's been decimated. Now Pittsburgh, which again, I'll get to in, in the injury report, is just devastated at their linebackers. So there's a lot of teams out there who could use Collins. Now, somebody who's just recently played uh, this past week for his uh, NFL uh, debut was Grant Delpit on Cleveland. He posted five total tackles, three of them solos, two assists, and he had a sack, a tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hit along with a forced fumble. Now, he also had a near pick, and he took 43% of the snaps. Now, he didn't start, but still, this is an impressive NFL debut considering he's just a year removed from a ruptured Achilles tendon. Now, Mary Kay, uh, Mary May Cavett of the Cleveland.com noted that 26% of players who suffer ruptured Achilles don't return from this injury. So that's kind of impressive. Yeah. Good to see the, the kid back up on, on the field. Um, we're going to do our weekly Dallas linebacker <laughs> report. We need like uh we need music for this. We need like a little news report. Exactly. It's a carnival. It's a circus over there. Uh, well, so the, the word uh, right before um, I think it was Sunday morning, yeah, uh, the word from, late. I think Ian Rappaport was that um, they had moved, uh, they had moved rookie Micah Parsons to edge and that they were going to move Leighton Van Der Esch into the, the in, into a, a much bigger role. Now, I hopped on Twitter as soon as I could and said, whoa, 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 like before everybody jumps and grabs Leighton Van Der Esch, I'm pretty sure that if they're going to use Jalen Smith in this role, not Leighton Van Der Esch. And that's you know, I, I don't know why they, he would have said that unless he was specifically fed the wrong information in hopes that that the opposing team would 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 quickly game plan otherwise. But it turned out that it was Jalen Smith who was kind of like the lead dog here. He played seventy six percent of the snaps. That's a that's a noticeable uh, jump from the week before. Uh, he had a, a, a pretty solid game there. Um, uh, Smith had nine tackles, uh, six solo. So uh, on, on 76% of the snaps, which is a good number for him. Keanu Neal came in second with 72% of the snaps. He had just three tackles all solo. He did have a tackle for loss. Leighton Van Der Esch also had a pretty big game. He played 52% of the snaps, had seven tackles, four solo. He also had a sack uh, and a couple of tackles for loss. So if you put your money into Leighton Van Der Esch and threw him in your lineup, he did not play as many snaps as he as we would have wanted him to to play. However, seven tackles in a sack and a couple tackles for loss, you're going to take that. So um, overall, I think this is what we're going to be seeing going forward, which was, which is that Smith will be on the field. Most Neil will be on the field. Second most and, and Van Der Esch will be on the field. Now uh, go ahead. And Smith is, is the middle linebacker, whereas Van Der Esch was the outside linebacker. Yeah, and then uh, let's talk a little bit about Micah Parsons. So Mar- Parsons played fifty five percent. It was his first time playing edge as a as a as an NFL player. He obviously played in college. He also worked uh, at the edge position in training camp. So th- this wasn't something that came out of thin air. He's he's already been kind of practicing to to be this emergency situation. He actually looked really good. He got his first sack. He he only had two solos, but he did have a sack. He had four quarterback hits, which means that um, you know. 
obviously he's he's not much good to you as an edge rusher if you can use him as a linebacker you can't really use him as an edge rusher but so that's less for his fantasy value at the moment unless your league happens to allow him to switch to de or or edge um but what it does mean is, you know, it's just interesting to watch for football how talented this kid is. Uh, and we're funny, we're just talking about a player just like this in Jamie Collins. Collins can play in the middle of the field. He can also come off the edge. Uh, he's one of those hybrid players, um, and uh, there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, and with Parsons, his value shifts from tackle heavy to big play heavy because, as you noted, he had four quarterback hits with a, a tackle for a loss as one of those two solos and he had a sack. So he went from shifting from a very big tackle heavy uh, linebacker to now he's m- more value in a big scoring play uh, linebacker role. And obviously if you're stuck with him at linebacker, then you need to pay attention to your scoring. All right, let's uh, move along to our quick hits. Why don't you get us started, Thomas? Well, another rookie that, that had a, uh, a nice outing was um, New Orleans defensive end Peyton Turner. Now, while he didn't start, the rookie did have uh, four, five total tackles. He had four solos and an assist. He did have his uh, a sack in this game. Um, he had three tackles for loss, and he had a quarterback hit. And he took 31 snaps, which is 41% of the, the Saints' snaps. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, Justin Hollins. This is, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he had a monster game. He's, he's, he's an edge rusher basically for them. Uh, he had a monster game in, in week one and everybody was like, Whoa, should I pick up Justin Hollins? Should I pick up Justin Hollins? Which makes sense. You know, it's the, when you see the first game, uh, and then you see some linebacker who, you know, you just been completely off of most people's radars and he puts up double digit tackles. Of course, you're going to, you're going to ask that question. We cautioned everyone to hang on. He's likely going to turn back into a pumpkin. I mean, it's almost Halloween. So um, that's exactly what he did. He turned back into a pumpkin. He had two solos. So hopefully you did not run out and throw him into your linebacking position, hopefully to get another uh, double digit sack. He, I mean, double digit tackles. He had uh, two. Uh, that's it. Yep, indeed. And we are officially off the Talanoa Tufanga wagon. <laughs> he yep. took just two snaps this past week and had no fantasy statistics. Uh, Jaquiski Tart and Jimmy Ward were the starting safeties for the 49ers. Moving on to Jalen Ramsey. Speaking of turning into a pumpkin, this is the exact same situation. We got tons of questions about, hey, do I need to pick up Jalen Ramsey? Should I start Jalen Ramsey this week? And we he had a warned great you. Yeah, um, it just his he's <laughs> as a cornerback, he's he's just too good. He's too good to ha- to be thrown at enough to to be effective. Now they do move him around a lot so that he doesn't so because he's so good in the run game, he can basically cover anybody. He's a great athlete, and they're finding really creative ways to to keep him involved and not do what they used to do with Richard Sherman in Seattle. Or or Daryl Rivas, they would just put him on an island, which which is great that he would lock up one player, but you know teams would just scheme around them. But this is still what you're going to get. He had three tackles. Now he, if you did start him, he did have an interception, uh, which which will help boost things. But yeah, he's 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 back to get you know two to five tackles a week, which is which is okay. But he's not a seven to ten tackle guy. Correct. Now over in uh, on in Tampa Bay, uh, Vita Vey, he had a uh, a decent game and and it has a lot of value in DT required leagues. 
Yeah, he had six total tackles this past week, uh, four solos, two assists. He had a quarterback hit and a pass defended. Now, the good thing about him here is that he took 42 defensive snaps. That's 58% of the snaps for a defensive tackle. He also took 10 special team snaps, which was 33% of their snaps. And he took two offensive snaps. So this guy's on the field quite a bit. I mean, he if you if you add those up, that was 54 uh, snaps that he was accounted for on the field. Yeah. Um, interesting. It, that, to me, uh, you know, watching these like um, uh, these defensive tackles, uh, particularly somebody like Vita Vea, like they don't. You know, they'll talk to them. They'll talk about them occasionally on the air, but you know it's easier to see the safeties make plays. It's easier to see the, the linebackers move around. Uh, some of these big guys in the middle, in general, defensive tackles go under the radar just far, far too much. Um, uh, and I love, I love that he's taking offensive snaps. I mean, he's mostly just there as a blocker, but. You mean to tell me that they are not going to have a package, a goal line package where Vita Vea scores a touchdown? I'm I'm saying it right now. Book it right now. Vita Vea is going to score an offensive touchdown uh, at the goal line at some point this year. I know Bruce Arians has that in him. Um, I just mentioned that the Seahawks uh, have been playing just a just a, an insane number of snaps, right? So um, they have a. Uh, 164 snaps so far th- this season, which is just off the charts. Um, so what does that mean for, well, means this means um, all of their players have inflated numbers right now, but in particular, their, their linebackers. Bobby Wagner has 33 tackles in two games. I mean, that's mind blow. He had 20 tackles last week, um, but I think they played like 80 something snaps. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of snaps. So they, they obviously had an overtime game. And Wagner had 16 solos out of those 20. Yeah. If you, you know, what's funny is that Wagner ha- slipped in, 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 in drafts this year. He's, you know, there's all, there's all these hot names, you know, all the younger players and, and, and Bobby Wagner, I got Bobby Wagner. I got Bobby Wagner as an LB two in one league. I, I was like, I, when my pick came back, I was like, wait, Bobby Wagner's still out there. Oh, I'm grabbing him. So, uh, yeah, if you got Bobby Wagner, you're sitting pretty right now. If you've got Jordan Brooks, you're sitting pretty. Uh, Jordan Brooks has 20 tackles, so he's averaging double-digit tackles so far. Now, this is not sustainable. Uh, so uh, what that means is, we obviously, we're not worried about Bobby Wagner. We obviously know he's not going to get 20 tackles a game. We can wish. Um, but I also think what it means is that if you that if you are thinking that Jordan Brooks is a double-digit tackle guy week in and week out, he's probably not. It's probably going to be more like you know, six to eight tackles or five, yeah, five to eight tackles is kind of what I see. So we do have to trim our expectations for both of these players going forward. Yeah. And and one thing to note with Seattle is that with the new offense that they have, um, their offense is more high tempo, which means they want to get more offensive plays out of a squeeze out of each game. And they've been putting points up on the board. So when you're scoring 30 points, opponents are going to be moving just as quickly to try and stay with you. So that's the reason why you're seeing these high numbers of snaps. Now, on the Jets, um, Jamin Sherwood has been, you know, he sat out this past week and and we we know that when he got hurt in the the first game that um, Delshawn Phillips stepped in and took his place. But in this game here, Quincy Williams is the one who started, not Phillips. 
and he posted five total tackles, had a tackle for a loss with a 91% snap count. Now, Sherwood practiced this week. Uh, he practiced in full on Thursday. So if he practices in full on Friday, we're not quite sure whether or not they're going to go back to Sherwood or if they're going to stick with Williams. So that's kind of a sticky situation that, on the Jets. If you've got Kenny Young in your lineup in week two, you were disappointed that he only ended up with five tackles. You, you might have been worried that something had happened and they decided to lower his snap count or something, or he played poorly or something. It was none of that. He was he had five tackles in the first half, which means he was on his way to double-digit tackles, but he got ejected if you didn't see the game. He was... Um, so he got caught up in a, you know, in, in, in you know, just like a, a play at the line of scrimmage. All that everybody fell on each other. Something happened. He got very upset that somebody did something to him in that in that pile. And he got up and he was furious. He was yelling and he was he was moving his arms and gesticulating. And he accidentally hit one of the referees. And it clearly was not intentional. But he like popped a referee right on the hat and his hat. So and yeah, they just, you know. They, they even if they know it's unintentional, they have to throw that flag and eject him. So that he got ejected. No, no, that is a no, no. So, um, but I, I wanted to be clear in case you didn't see it that um, him getting ejected for for hitting an umpire isn't isn't as bad as it seemed. I think even the umpires knew he was just mad and he and he didn't realize he hit an umpire. So, um, uh, which means that Kenny Young should be back to being an every down player. And even even seeing that he had five tackles in one half. Uh, if you extrapolate that, uh, that means we still have a really productive linebacker there. Now over in uh, uh, on the West Coast in L.A., Nasir Adderley was dealing with a groin issue pretty much all week. Um, he was limited in practice, but he did manage to lead the team this week with nine total tackles. Eight of them, them were solos, and he did have a, a pass defended. Um, and he took 60 all, every single snap, all 62 of them. So Adderley played through the groin issue and didn't appear to be having any problems. I tell you, man, if I, if, uh, if I ever injure my groin, you can, you can be rest assured that I will be uh, propped up on the couch uh, for a while. Speaking of prop up, come prop up on Thrive Fantasy Football this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 out of the 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to share to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $140,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1 and has already awarded over $4 million. As we move into Week 3, they've probably awarded a lot more than $4 million. Our staff at Fantasy Points will be posting their favorite Thrive Fantasy picks each week on the site. New users can use promo code FANTASYPOINTS when you sign up and will receive a 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. Download the Thrive Fantasy app at the App Store or the Play Store or by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com. You can also tune in to our Extra Points live stream every Sunday morning to find out some of our favorite Thrive Fantasy props for the day. Sign up and prop up today. Notable injured reserves. Oh my gosh. Okay, so here's the deal. We're going to rattle off a whole bunch of names that basically would create an all pro defensive team. So, 
Buckle up. Get out your tissues to cry. This is going to be ugly. Zero to 60 in 30 seconds. No. Uh, defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence, Dallas, fractured foot, injured reserve. These are all injured reserves. Defensive end, Marcus Davenport, New Orleans, went on with a shoulder injury. Um, nose tackle, Raquan Davis of Miami with a knee injury. Defensive end, Brandon Graham uh, on Philadelphia, tore his Achilles, and he's done for the year on IR. Nose tackle Tyson Alualu on Pittsburgh fractured his ankle, and that makes it difficult for Pittsburgh because they still have Stefan Tuitt on IR. comes off on probably week four, but Alualu joins him. Linebacker Anthony Walker on Cleveland, as we had mentioned before, with a hamstring injury, went to IR. Bradley Chubb uh, on Denver, outside linebacker, edge rusher, ankle surgery to remove a chipped uh, a bone chip. So he's going to be on designated to return IR. Josie Jewell tore his pectoral muscle, and Denver loses a, a, an inside linebacker. Green Bay Packers linebacker Zadarius Smith went on IR with a back issue. Linebacker Quan Alexander of New Orleans went on IR with an elbow. And linebacker Dre Greenlaw in San Francisco with a groin injury. Now, some notable inactives from week two were um, De- obviously Derek Wolf from Baltimore, defensive end, second straight week, back and hip um, injuries. This week he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, looking like he'll be a third straight week on uh, inactive. Linebacker Anthony Barr of Minnesota has been dealing with a knee issue, missed the first two games, was an inactive, has l- been limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday, so you have to check his Friday status. Linebacker Devin Bush on Pittsburgh was a late add to the injured list this past week with a groin injury. He practiced twice this week, and it looks like he's on schedule to play, so they might get Bush back. Linebacker Jayon Brown from Tennessee, he uh, he's dealing with a hamstring issue, didn't practice this week, but was upgraded to limited practice on Thursday, so watch his status on Friday. Otherwise, he'll be inactive for the second straight game. Uh, safety Donovan Wilson on Dallas, groin injury, very questionable to be playing on Monday night this week uh, as he sat out week two. Uh, also sitting out week two and on the inactive list was cornerback Chris Harris Jr. from the Chargers dealing with a shoulder injury, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday this week. Cornerback Marshawn Lattimore from New Orleans, he had a thumb um, he had thumb sur- surgery and has been limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday, so he might play his uh, in week t- uh, three. Now, safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on New Orleans sat out week two with a knee injury, but he's limited on Wednesday and had a full practice Thursday. If he practices on Friday, most likely will play. Rodney McLeod on Philadelphia has sat out the first two games and been inactive with a knee injury. He was limited Wednesday, full Thursday. Again, he's like Gardner-Johnson who will most likely play if he practices Friday. Cornerback Joe Hayden on Pittsburgh uh, he, like Devin Bush, uh, was added late in the week with a groin injury. He's practiced in full this week and, and like Bush, is on schedule to play this week. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley from San Francisco, out two weeks straight with a knee injury, limited in practice Wednesday and Thursday. Check his status. Uh, a few notable injuries uh, of players who have uh, at least played but didn't practice or have had issues with practice this week. Akeem Hicks from Chicago, illness and a knee injury, didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Joey Bosa from uh, the Chargers didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. He should play if limited or or full practice on Friday. Uh, Eric Armstead from San Francisco is dealing with an abductor injury and has yet to practice this week. 
Leonard Floyd uh, from the Rams has an ankle injury and he hasn't practiced it this week. We mentioned Jamie Collins. He didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday and it's not injury related. So we're wondering if they are in the process of trading him. TJ Watt injured his groin last week. He took 16 snaps, which was 24%. He's been limited in practice thus far this week. So check his status on Friday. Alex Highsmith of Pittsburgh, another outside linebacker with a groin injury, has yet to practice this week. So he's he's looking iffy for week three. Jason Pierre-Paul in Tampa Bay had a hand and shoulder injury, didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Byron Murphy, Arizona. Um, Just landed on the uh, injured list with an ankle injury on Thursday as he didn't practice. A.J. Terrell, Atlanta Falcons cornerback, uh, got a concussion, is is still in concussion protocol as he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. The same is for uh, said for Deshaun Elliott on Baltimore. He's still in concussion protocol. Uh, safety to Sean Gibson on Chicago didn't practice Thursday. He has some kind of a hamstring issue. Cornerback C.J. Henderson on Jacksonville is dealing with an illness that just popped up. He's also dealing with a groin injury. He's been limited on Wednesday and didn't practice Thursday. So looking iffy for him. And safety Logan Ryan on the New York Giants injured his hamstring last week and has been limited in practice all week. We swear there are still defenders out there to play football this week. I know it doesn't sound like it. I know it sounds like what Thomas just did was he just read off every defender in like on planet earth. But I promise you there are somehow, somehow still defenders left, but you just read off like, that's like, uh, I mean that note, the injured reserve is like, I mean, it really is. It's an all pro. It's like Demarcus Lawrence and Marcus and Marcus Davenport and, Brandon Graham, there's your there's your DE rotation. You got Raquan Davis and uh, Alu Alu as your in you know interior defenders. You got Walker and 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 Quan Alexander, and then you got Greenlaw and um, Josie Jewell to back them up. You got a couple of outside linebackers. I mean, it's a it's That's a hell of a, a team. Team right there. Yeah, I want to load these guys up and start them next week. Um, so as depressing as that was, uh, we're going to take a very short pause for the cause, pay a couple of bills, and come back and wrap it up with something happy. All right. Thank you, Mr. Ben Kukanis. Let's wrap it up with uh, Discord questions. Uh, just as a reminder, we are on FantasyPoints.com, and if you are a premium subscriber to FantasyPoints.com, you can reach us uh, reach us on the Discord app and ask us very direct questions. We'll help you with your lineups, uh, and this this works great for a lot of a lot of people. It really works great, I think, for people who don't. You know, they play in maybe one or two IDP leagues. They don't play, you know, they're not like super heavy into it. And they just, of all the things they've got going on, trying to figure out who to replace, you know, uh, Anthony Walker with is just, you know, they don't have the time for that. But guess what? We do. So they ask us a lot of questions. We And we try to find some ones that, uh, some questions that might be relatable to more than just them. So we're going to dive in. We're going to put one more last question here on the, uh, on the podcast. This is from Bravo One. Uh, Thomas, what is Bravo One? What is, what is Bravo One want? Well, he was wondering about the replacement for Josie Duell. And we we obviously were overloaded with a lot of questions on uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning. So when we uh, when you finally got to him this past weekend, um, you had mentioned uh, be on the lookout for Micah Kaiser, who the Broncos had just signed, and he turned around and said, "Not Justin Sternan." And so 
we wanted to just cover this whole inside linebacker situation next to uh, Alexander Johnson and talk to you a little bit about what's going on with, with this whole deal with the, the, um, the signing of Kaiser and, and how it's going to affect who they start there. Now, when you you consider Kaiser when he, you know when when he played he played with a, a coach by the name of Staley he played with him um on the Rams now Staley was a an outside linebacker coach for Vic Bangio with the uh Broncos went to um the Rams and he's now with the Chargers but when he was with the Rams he he was part of teaching Kaiser and the Rams linebackers the same type of system that Fangio uses in Denver so now when they went out and signed Kaiser, he comes in knowing the system. And obviously the fact that they went out and signed Kaiser is kind of a um, a negative impact on Sternan because of the fact that they probably don't feel totally comfortable handing him the keys next to Alexander Johnson. Yeah, that's I mean. I'm I'm hoping that Stranad ends up being being the the guy there, um, but uh, and obviously if they lost Jewel, uh, they are thin at linebacker. They should Oof. not be running out just uh, uh, Alexander Johnson and Stranad and, and hoping hoping for the best. I think if Stranad was was really playing at a high level, they would have already. I think well, I know they they've been wanting Stranad to take the job from Jewel. Uh, Jewel is a is just a guy out there. He's right. He's not. He's not some amazing, uh, um, you know, like a uh, uh, you know kind of generational player or anything. They were hoping Stranad would kind of be his replacement. So the fact that Stranad couldn't already just grab that role next to Alexander Johnson and own it for you know eighty to ninety percent of the snaps means that they probably don't think he's ready. I still think they think they've got hopes for him, but he's you know he was supposed to play last year. He's a rookie last year, but he he broke his hand and, and didn't play the whole season. So right. um, he he is still young. He's still learning. It makes all the sense in the world for a team that has playoff aspirations uh, to have have someone on backup. For me, I'm holding Stranod if I got him. I'm picking up Kaiser. I am not starting either one of these gentlemen until I can see a little more football and you know with the fact that they lost Bradley Chubb on the outside they they have inside linebacker Baron Browning who now they're talking about moving him to the outside linebacker spot to share snaps with Malik Reed to fill in for Chubb on the weak side and with that happening again this leaves the inside linebacker very thin because it leaves them just Alexander Johnson and and Sternad and you also have a Jonas Griffith but I you know the the fact that they're going to be reaching into their practice squad or searching for uh, uh, relief or depth uh, through other teams like Kaiser on the Rams and maybe even Collins from from Detroit. Who knows? Uh, again, we're not sure whether or not Stranad or Kaiser will start next to Johnson, but we are pretty sure that they're going to share snaps if they're both active in this game and that they, when Johnson does come off the field for the four or five snaps that he's been doing lately or the four or five percent, then one of these two will also step in there. Uh, sorry to interrupt you here, Thomas. I just, I just was just handed a note. It looks like uh, 
34 other defensive players have gone on IR since you talked about <laughs> Justice Renaud. So uh, if you guys want to hang on for a second, another two hours and listen to us read uh, even more defensive players who bit the dust this week. Uh, so <laughs> before this gets any more depressing, we're going to hop off here, let you all enjoy your weekend. We're we're excited to be talking football, and we really appreciate you all listening to this podcast. Uh, we're excited to be on Fantasy Points. I hope you guys are on Fantasy Points and are getting all the good information from John Hansen and uh, uh, Graham the Barfield, and, yeah, the whole gang, Scott Barrett, you know, Joe Dolan, Tom Brawley. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty sick crew. We're very honored to be a, a part of them. Uh, so go check us out at fantasypoints.com. Go follow me on Twitter at down with IDP. If you're at a Seahawks game, uh, look, look, look for the cameraman. You're bound to uh, wave at uh, Mr. Thomas Simons and, um, Speaking of Thomas Simons, what you got for us? Oh, be well and be safe. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.